الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Today inshallah ta'ala we're going to start the uh, explanation of the book Al-Ajrumiya uh, and some scholars they call it Al-Ajurramiya both ways is correct to pronounce it this is the book that we're going to cover it's a classical book in the Arabic grammar and the kitab is غَنِيٌّ عَنِ التَّعْرِيفِ It doesn't require definition. A lot of you have already heard of it. You know the book. You've probably even studied it. And you're only here to revise it. The way that I hope to go through the book, inshallah ta'ala, is to make it easy and simplify it. And the way to do that is by giving so much examples. Grammar needs a lot of examples. Because it's theories... You need examples in order to understand it. And the Arabs, they say, Speech has become clear by example. I also do not mind if the student interrupts and asks. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, and if you see me do a mistake or write something wrong, you're also entitled to correct, inshallah ta'ala. If you didn't understand the point that I said, you're also entitled to say, can you give another example? Can you expand on what you said? The whole purpose for this is for you to understand, inshallah ta'ala. Two types of people never learn. Al-mustahi wal-mutakabbiru la yata'allaman. An arrogant person and a shy person never learn. So if you're arrogant, you'll never learn. If you think you know everything, you're never going to learn. And if you are shy, you know you didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to you. But you're embarrassed, you're shy. You're thinking, if I ask, everyone else is going to judge me. And they're going to think, I don't know. You're never going to learn. So ask as much times as you want, inshallah ta'ala. And also, I request that the brothers, and also the floor is open for the sisters. So if they have questions, inshallah ta'ala, um, they can write it down and I will try in the last five minutes to answer those questions as well for the sisters. But what I do ask is when you say I didn't understand, be more specific what you didn't understand. So don't just say, can you explain it again? And then I ask you, what do you want me to explain inshallah? And you say, everything. That's going to be a bit hard for me because everything could be 45 minutes or an hour of explanation. So we'll be more specific, inshallah, what you want me to expand, to expand on. If you were here for the introduction for the Arabic, then a lot of things are going to be easy for you. Okay? If you were here for the introduction that we did for the Arabic language, a lot of what we're going to be doing in this book is going to be easy for you. And if you didn't, I encourage you to go online and to watch it. Because you wouldn't want me to go through what is Madhab al-Basriyin and the Kufiyin and why they differ. Because we spoke about that already. Today I'm just going to do a quick recap 
and then straight away we're going to go into the book, inshallah ta'ala. So two ways, two things I'm going to avoid, inshallah ta'ala, that commonly happens in teaching Arabic grammar. Number one is little examples. When these kind of books are taught, the examples are very little. And so the student only hears the theories but doesn't know how it works. So I'm going to show you, inshallah, with examples. Second thing is not to bring anything that's in the advanced books. So we won't bring issues from al ibn Malik or Shawahid from there. We're only going to stick to this text. Whether the book is right or wrong, as a side point, we might mention it for those who are advanced to want to know it, but we're not going to focus too much on those mistakes or those things that we differ on. Because each book, when it's being taught, it should be taught to how the author wrote it. And then whatever extra is going to be mentioned, let's wait for the next book. And then the next book. And then the next book, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. This subject is called An-Nahu. Uh, Why is it called Nahu? What is the reason? So let's first of all explain what Nahu means. An-Nahu in the Arabic language, before the grammarians came, before the grammarians came, this word An-Nahu was used already. The Arabs were using it way before this science called grammar came. And they were using it in three meanings. In the Arabic language, the word Nahu means three things only. The first one is Al-Qast. The third one is Al-Jiha. And the third one is Al-Miqdar. For example, the Arabs, they say, Nahawtu Nahwaka Ay Qasattu Qasattu Qastaka The Arabs, they say that. Jihad, for example, the Arabs, they say, Nahawtu Let's say like this. Tawajahtu Nahwa Albayt. And the third one is amount. The third one is amount. So you say in the nahalf dinar. So look at it. The word nahu has these three meanings in the Arabic language. The first one is al qast, intending something. When you intend something, it's called what? It is called, in the Arabic language, they use the word nahu. For example, look at it. Nahawtu, nahawtu, nah, nahaw. 
نحوتو نحوكا I intended you أما your direction so this, the, word, the first one I went the second one is الجهة direction they use the word نحو as direction the Arabs they say توجهتو نحو البيتي the direction of the house. So I directed myself in the direction of the house. So the word nahu here it means direction. Here it means intended. And here it means al-miqdar, amount. For example, you say, With me is the amount of a thousand dinar. That's what the Arabs meant by the word nahu. The first one is al-qasd, when you intend something. The Arabs, they use the word nahu as intending something. When you intend, intention. So you say, nahawka. I intended you today. Someone comes up to you and they say to you, nahawka. Today I've intended to be with you or at your presence. So the first part of the word, nahawtu, here's nahaw. Okay? And the second one is al-miqdar. Uh, sorry, al-jiha uh, and then al-miqdar. But what does it mean in the istilahi? What do the grammarians mean when they say nahaw? This is what concerns us. This is just a side point. But what concerns us is grammar to the grammarians is al-kalimat uh, al-arabiyah. They look at the Arabic words. Min haythu, min haythu ma ya'aridu laha halat tarkib. Min al-i'rab wal-bina'ah. The word grammar, according to the grammarians, it means al-kalimat al-arabiyah. Underline these words, al-kalimat al-arabiyah. It's Arabic words. Okay? Min haythu ma ya'aridu laha. That's number two. Halit tarkib. That's three. Min al-i'rab. That's four. Wal-bina. And that's five. Okay? The grammarians, to them, Nahu means the following. Al-Kalimat al-Arabiyya. It's the Arabic words. The Arabic gram grammarians, they are looking at what? They're looking at Arabic words. They don't care about English, French, German. That's not what they look at. That's number one. And of course, that's obvious, right? Because we're studying Arabic grammar. But the word Nahu, it only means to them Al-Kalimat al-Arabiyya. Okay. Second thing is What happens to this word? They look at what happened to it That's what they're looking at means what happened to it That's what they're looking at Okay We'll expand on that more inshallah ta'ala And they look at what happened to it when it was in a 
sentence. They don't look at the word when it's by itself. Like, for example, the word randomly, like now, the grammarians don't look at the word Khalid. For them, Khalid is nothing. There's no need for us to observe it. Why? Why don't they just Khalid by itself in the like that? Why do they not observe it? Because Khalid like that has al-waqf at the ending. Khalid, you stop. Okay? And the grammarians, they look at the wording from what part? They look at what part of the word? At the ending. For example, Khalid, there's a dal at the end, right? They look at the dal. If the word is not put in a context, it doesn't have no harakah at the ending. It's called al-waqf. So they, haven't, they only come into role or come into place when the word has a context. Khalid is al-waqf. It has no alama on it. Okay? Don't say sukun, by the way, please. Don't ever say sukun because this word is a what? It's a noun and a noun cannot have a sukun on it. So it's called al-waqf. You stop at the word Khalid. Are we all together, brothers and sisters? Are we all on the same page? So Khalid, the grammarians don't look at it when it's by itself. They only observe it. They only critique it. They only analyze it when it's put into a context. Halat tarqib. Halat tarqib means at a time when it's in a context. Is that so far understood? Has everyone understood that so far? Is that clear? Then they look at it. When it gets put in the context, brothers, the word, it can be one of two situations. Once it's put in the context, it's one of two situations. Al-I'rab or al-Bina. This word, this word can be mu'rab or it can be mabni. What does mu'rab mean? Don't worry. It's going to come to us. What does mabni mean? Don't worry. It will come to us. So don't ask me about al-I'rab now and don't ask me about bina. We're going to be taking that next week, inshallah ta'ala. This today, we're going to, we're going to be in the dark regarding al-I'rab. And we're going to be in the dark regarding al-Bina. Okay? There's no need for you to know it. There's a whole chapter coming which the author says, al-I'rab huwa al-tagheer al-awakhir al-kalim al-ikhtilaf al-awamil al-dakhilati alayha lafdan aw taqdeera. He's going to come that. He's going to come to that. But have you understood the rest that I've explained to you? The rest is clear, right? Or is that wishful thinking? Me thinking that you guys... So the second one. The second one is what happens to the word. There's things that are going to happen to the word. For example, for example, the Arabs, they say, Ja'a Ja'a Let's take the word Zayd Ja'a Zaydun Okay, look at the word Zaydun you say Then you say Ra'aytu You say Ra'aytu Zaydan And then you say Marartu Bizaydin Look what happened here. Just let's focus on the word Zaid. Let's focus on the last ending. This one, and this one, and this one. Here, it's Ja'a Zaidun. We have that. 
رأيت زيدن and you have مرتو بزيدن those are the three situations صح what happened to the word this is what they look at ما يعرض لها it's the same name and in one situation is un زيدن and in one situation is زيدن and one one situation is what زي Din, what happened to this word? What made it change? This is where the grammarians want to know. They don't look, the grammarians don't look at the beginning of the word. They don't look at the za. That's not their job. And they don't look at the ya. That's not their job. They only look at the ending of the word. Okay? What happened to Zaytia? Okay? Is that clear to everyone? Okay, there's another point I want to go, I want to cover, inshallah ta'ala. There's another point I want to cover. Inshallah ta'ala. You're going to see that I'm going to, a lot of the times I'm just going to do three things, three, three, three. That number is going to come a lot. Three of this, three of this. In the, in the Arabic grammar, it's very common, the word three, right? You'll see why. I want to go to point number three now. Point what? Number three. tuhu. So I'm just going to give three, inshallah ta'ala. The benefits of learning grammar. Okay, if I learn grammar, what benefit do I take? Okay, the first one is Al Isma Anil Khata illisani Fi Kalam. Al-Arabi. The second one is Ma'rifatu sawabihi min khata'ihi In learning the Arabic grammar, what benefit do I get it from it? The benefits are three, inshallah ta'ala. We're now going to go into the benefits. Now we're going to go into the benefits of learning the Arabic grammar. 
what do I benefit do I leave with learning the Arabic grammar? Number one, al-usmatu an al-khata'i lisani fi kalam al-arab, fi kalam al-arabi. You're going to be protected from speaking incorrectly in the Arabic language. Your tongue will not speak that which is wrong. And even if you do, you recognize yourself and you come back from it because you know the grammar. Number two, ma'rifatu sawabihi min You will learn what is right from what is wrong. So you will not just be a person who speaks correctly because a lot of people can, even if they haven't studied grammar, but they don't know why. Just like in the English language. A lot of people know the English language, but they don't know the English grammar. If they hear something wrong, they can correct the person and say, Habibi, you're speaking wrong. This is not right. Say it like this. But if you ask them why, they'll say, I don't know. You see, as the poet said, لَسْتُ بِنَحْوِيٍ يَلُوكُ لِسَانَهُ وَلَكِنِّي سَلِيقِيٌّ أَقُولُ فَأُعْرِبُ The poet, he said, لَسْتُ بِنَحْوِيٍ I am not a grammarian. He's a Bedouin man. He said, لَسْتُ بِنَحْوِيٍ يَلُوكُ لِسَانَهُ I'm not a Bedouin man who has to keep reminding himself all the time, مُبْتَدَى مَرْفُوع 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 And then I do مَرْفُوع of the مُبْتَدَى خَبَر مَرْفُوع 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 مَفْعُولِ بِهِ مَنْصُوب مَنْصُوب I'm not a Bedouin whose tongue has to follow rules that were set. وَلَكِنِّي سَلِيقِيُّنَ I am naturally an Arab. This is my language. أَقُولُ I say it فَأُعْرِبُ is grammatically correct. It's Arab. Are we all together? So some people are like that in their mother tongue language. They're like that even in the Arabic language. And they're like that in the English language. They speak and they get it right. They speak and they get it right. But they wouldn't have the second, which is if you ask them, why did you say this right and not in, why did you say it wrong? They, won't, they wouldn't know. By studying grammar, you'll know what is right from what is wrong. The third is, الْإِسْتِعَالَةُ عَلَى فَهْمِ كَلَامِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَكَلَامِ رَسُولِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. It will aid you and it will support you in understanding the speech of Allah Jalla and the speech of the Messenger wasallam. By studying grammar, you'll understand the Prophet وسلم, what he's saying. And you'll also understand what Allah Jalla is saying. What is the miracle that we have as Muslims today? That we say to any, any nation, any religion, come with the likes of it if you can. The poet, he said, Every prophet came with a miracle. And that miracle perished with that prophet. I mean, when that prophet died, that miracle he had died with him. Muhammad, you came with وسلم, a miracle that didn't die with you. I.e. The, the Quran. The Quran. The Quran is a mu'jizah. Tahaddallahu bihim al-Arab. He was told, the Arabs were told, hey, come with likes, likes like the Quran. وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَابِدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِصُورَةٍ مِّن مِثْلِهِ وَدْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If you are in doubt of this, they come with something like it. You all come together. The, the, the Jews and the Christians and the, even the insan and the jinn, all of you come together and come with the likes of any surah of this Quran. So in other words, Allah challenged them with the eloquency of the Quran you wouldn't appreciate the eloquency of the Quran and you wouldn't even understand the miracle of the Quran if you don't have an understanding of the Arabic grammar are we all together this 
jazz that's in the Quran that Allah is saying to the Arabs, come with the likes of it. Which some of them, when they heard the Quran alone, like Jubair ibn Mut'imin, when he said, when the Prophet was reciting Surah Salat al Maghrib, the hadith in Sahih al Bukhari, and the Prophet was reciting Surah al Baqarah, and he read, he had, Am khuliqu min ghayri shayin, am humul khaliqun, am khalaqu samawati wa arad, balla yuqinun. He had these verses. He said, Kada qalbi an yatir. My heart was about to fly out. Why? He knows the Arabic language. He, he can see, see. Okay, wow. Are we all together, brothers? How many of us today have heard eloquency at its, someone speak and they, their, their wordplay and the way that they articulate themselves and how they bring out points? Sah? Just the other day, subhanAllah, I was, I was listening. Uh, sometimes I go on YouTube and I watch. I was watching uh, uh, a commencement that was done in Harvard University by some of these speakers. We all know, right, the commencement speeches that some do. SubhanAllah, some of them, when they come, they prepare this. One of the speakers, whose name I don't want to mention, she said, I prepared this lecture for so long, and I was putting it together. What shall I take out? What shall I in? What shall I take, subtract, add? Where shall I put it here? No, this, that. She said, it took me a whole entire month when Harvey told me that I had to do a commencement. Are we all together? She was thinking about her words, Okay. Oh, I said it was a she, sorry. The point is, then she came and she gave it, and you would be amazed at the way they, they articulate their points and what they bring out. It's ta'ajab. And you, you're lost with words, like, whoa, the messages they get across. Sometimes people cry just because of words that were said. And sometimes people laugh because of words that were said. The effect that it has on them. You wouldn't feel like that when it comes to the Quran if you don't have that understanding. If a person was to put in that commencement into YouTube and was try, would try to listen to it, they wouldn't feel what you would feel, sah? Who understands the English language, who understands the adjectives that are used, who understands the similes that what the English language contains. The way you appreciate those, even the idioms that they use, the person who doesn't know the language wouldn't understand it like that. And then the Arabs, for them, the Quran was like that. They were so connected to it. They understood the phrases that the Qur'an used, the examples that the Qur'an used, how the Qur'an swifted from one story to another story, and the way that the Qur'an was sometimes speaking to a mukhatab, meaning addressing someone, and then it flipped it into a ghaib, and how amazing that was for them. This is what made them take Islam, and this is why the Qur'an challenged them. Okay? So in order to really appreciate the Qur'an, especially this noble month of Ramadan, is now 97 days away from us, or 96 days away from us, Ramadan, taqriban. Okay, for, the, for Ramadan, right in the corner, it's going to be soon, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah allow us to reach it. You should be a person who's ready, inshallah ta'ala, to get a good understanding of, of, the, of what's in the Quran and how Allah is speaking and what is being said here. That's the benefit that it has. Um, last point as an introduction, and then I'm straight away going to go into the uh, lesson today, inshallah ta'ala. Last point. Okay. The last point I want to speak about is where is the Arabic language taken from? Okay.
istimdadu. Istimdadu means where is it rooted from? Where is it uh, taken from? Min kalamillahi ta'ala. The Arabic grammar that we're studying is taken from the Quran. The Quran set the grammar. The way that the Quran speaks is the grammatic, is the correct grammar. And if it goes against the Quran in grammar, then it's incorrect. Okay. Number two, it's taken from the speech of the Arabs. Here, you have to understand whose speech. The Arabs are a lot. The Arabs that are being focused on here, brothers and sisters, is the Arabs that were before Nabiullah Muhammad, the pre-Islamic era. You can't take grammatical rules and you can't even use as a shahid those who came after the Prophet Like for example, even though he was one of the most eloquent Arabs and he was min fusaha'il Arab and he was noble and knowledgeable in the Arabic language Abu Tib al-Mutanabbi but he is considered to be after Nabiullah Muhammad Are we all together? We are referring to Al-Arab al-Jahili Why do we say the Arab al-Jahili? Because these were the people whose Arabic was spoken and they were speaking Arabic and Nabiullah Muhammad came from amongst them and that's the language that he used but after Nabiullah Muhammad, the language became diluted. People came into Islam in numbers. And of course, when people came into Islam, they came with their own languages. Okay? They came in what? With their own languages. And when they came with their own languages, they started to speak incorrectly, grammatically wrong. And so, subhanAllah, even some of the poetry got affected by that after Islam. Uh, after people coming into Islam. So again, the examples of the people who we're referring to here is, you could say, for instance, the Arabs, they say this. It, yes, it's accepted in the Arabic language. How? For example, Imru'u uh, Qay said it. Or Zuhair ibn Abi Sulma said it. Or Antara ibn Shaddad said it. No problem. These are men whose speeches became proof in the Arabic language. Because they were considered to be what? The poets of the language. The eloquent of the language. Are we all together? Anyone before Nabilah Muhammad? That's why they, the, the, the scholars, they encourage people to study those books and study those. Because it will help you to understand whether this can be said, can be said by the Arabs or not. Okay? There's a little kitab. Oh, it's not a little kitab. It's about 300 pages. It's very easy and quick to read. It covers the effects that it has in aqidah going corrupt in your Arabic grammar. I wanted to bring some examples, but it's, again, it's going to turn into an introduction, and there's no point for it, right? We just have to study the book. But how uh, grammatical mistakes, okay, can affect your what? Your aqidah, risala doctorat. It's a PhD thesis that was done in Jamia Islamiyah by a researcher. On the Akhta The grammatical mistakes, how they can have an effect on a person's aqidah. Are we all together, brothers? InshaAllah ta'ala, now we're gonna go into the kitab, inshaAllah ta'ala.
The author, rahimahullah, Ibn Ajurrum, he started his kitab by saying, I'm just going to turn it to the other side, okay? My hand is hurting me. Okay, the author said, Hayafadal al kalamu al kalamu huwa al lafdu al mufidu bil wadai. Is that what he said? Al kalamu huwa lafdu al murakkab. Oh, murakkab, I jumped murakkab. I jumped it for a reason, but I'll come back to it. Psychologically, my brain jumped it for a reason. I'll tell you why. Now, so let's understand. The author, Rahimullah, started the book by saying, Al Kalamu. Al Kalam is speech. So he started the book by talking about what? Speech. And it makes sense because we're studying a language. We need to understand the Arabs who speak. They use speech, right? What do they consider to be speech? What is a speech to the Arabs? That's where grammar starts from. What is speech? Speech is when four things are found. Okay? Four things, the author said. Number one. Number two, and number three, and number four. So what are they? The first one is al-lafadu. The first one is al-lafadu. What does al-lafadu mean? Huh? Write this down. Al-lafadu, we're going to look at it from two perspectives. Linguistically, in the Arabic language originally, what was it? And then now the grammarians, what do they mean by it? Originally the word al-lafadhu, it meant al-ramyu, wa-tarhu. It is to throw something. It's to toss something. But the Arabs, they say, lafadha muhammadun an-nawata. Lafadha muhammadun an-nawata. Muhammad threw the seed from the date. When he ate the date, he threw it. Lafadha. La fada Muhammadun annawata. An example for it is what? So originally in the language it means Lugatan, it means what? It means Arramyu Wattarhu. That's what it means. An example for that is La fada Muhammadun annawata. The word annawata means what? It means the date, the seed in the date. Lafadam means here, tarahawarama. He threw it. So that's what it means in the Arabic language, originally, before. But what did the grammarians mean by it? Istilahan. Istilahan, the grammarians mean 
صوت مشتمل it's صوت sound مشتمل على بعض حروف الهجائية What does it mean according to the grammarians? It means the sound of some of the alphabetical letters. أولها ألف وآخرها ياء. So to the grammarians, the word اللفظ means الصوت. It's the sound that you make. So what is it that they're trying to avoid and take out of the discussion that's not considered a, a kalam, that's not considered a speech, is that Ishara, harakat. It's not a kalam because it's not pronounced, it's not articulated. For example, khalid is a lafz because I said it. But if I do this, is that kalam? No, not according to this definition, no. It's not kalam because I wrote it. And we're all together. But I didn't, I didn't say it. It's a long discussion, by the way. It's a long discussion. The second one is Al-Murakkab. What does Al-Murakkab mean? Ma tarakkaba min kalimataini ma tarakkaba min kalimataini wa akfa akthar. Murakkab means compounded in English. Compounded. It can't be one word. It can't be just Khalid. You can't just say Khalid. That's not speech to them. It has to be more than, it has to be two or plus words. That's a condition, second condition. For it to be considered a speech, the second condition is, it has to be compounded. Like in, there's something hidden here, which is Ja'a Khalid. Man Ja'a, your response is Khalid. Ya'ani Ja'a Khalid. So Ja'a is hidden here. So the, the Murakab is two types. There's two types of Murakab. Murakab, which is Muqaddar, and there's Murakab, which is Zahir. You can see it, you can't see it. Like, for example, Qum, stand up. Stand up is two words or more, it is. How is it? It's Qum Anta. Anta is hidden here. So, are we all together? So it has to be ما تركب من كلمتين فأكثر. It has to be two or more words. So here, some scholars, they said, he didn't have to mention this, Ibn Ajur Rum. He couldn't have left this. Why? Because Mufid is what's going to bring that anyways. That means is already in Mufid. So, and the Mufid means it benefits you. Khalid doesn't benefit me by itself. So if he just avoided the word Murakab and he just used the word Mufid, and that's why I, I left it when I was saying it. Does that make sense? If I just said, Mufidu bil it's good. Do you, do you guys agree or anyone has an i'tiraf? What does Mufid mean? Now you're going to understand why. Mufid means... Um, Al-Mufid, sorry. 
it means ma afada ma afada faidatan tamatan it is what benefits you a complete benefit yuhsinu sukutu alayha yuhsinu sukutu alayha min al-mutakallimi wa-sami'i What does mufid mean? It means ma'afada fa'idatan tama. It is anything that benefits you a complete benefit. Yuhsinu sukutu alayha min al-mutakallimi wa-sami'i The one who is speaking can be quiet. He can be, he can be silent. And the one that's listening doesn't have to interject and ask for more. For example, if you say, In ja'a Zaydun, for example. In ja'a Zaydun. In ja'a Zaydun. If Zayd comes. In ja'a Zaydun. Someone said to you, if Zayd comes. And he went quiet. Are you going to be quiet with him? He, he, he doesn't, he said, in Zayd, if Zayd comes and he becomes quiet, what would you do? What would you do, brothers? You'd say, yeah, and? You would want for him to finish it off. It then, it doesn't ha- it's not mufid. Because he brought in which is shartiyah. And he hasn't given you the jawab shart. He's mentioned a condition, but he hasn't given you the response to that. So he said to you, in Zayd, if Zayd comes, if close. In the English language, but he doesn't give you the response. You're gonna look for look for more. You're gonna you're not gonna be quiet. Yuhsinu sukutu alayha min al-mutakallimi wa samir. The one who's speaking had no rights to stop. Nor is the one who's listening gonna stop asking more questions. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? For example, if someone says, Alhamdulillah. Are you going to ask him more? Alhamdulillah. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a complete sentence. It's mufid. Okay? You're going to be like, Naam, Alhamdulillah. Or you're going to be quiet. Because you said something right. Are we all together, brothers? So, the mufid means it benefits you, a complete benefit in the, in the sense where you're going to be silent. You're not going to ask for more. Okay? Now we're going to go into the uh, fourth one, which is um, the fourth one, which is al-wada. Al-wada. What does it mean? There's two meanings that they say. The first one is an yaqsida bihi al-mutakallim. An yaqsida. المتكلم. The one who's speaking intends to say this. Al-wadr means that the, a person is sleeping and he talks. He goes, I want food. And he's sleeping. He's in the middle of the sleep. And he says, I want to eat. Is this speech? Yeah? No, it's not speech. Because the individual who's talking didn't intend to say this. What would you say? This is lagu. Huh? 
not speech. It's not kalam. That's one view of the scholars. Okay, that's one view of the scholars. The second view, which is an yakuna bil wad'il arabi. An yakuna an yakuna mawdu'an bil lughatil arab. So it has to be in the what? It has to be an yakuna mawdu'an it has to be in the Arabic language, okay? And that's the strongest one we're going to take, because why would he, they talk about the other one? It has to be in the Arabic language. So according to them, it's not a speech unless it's what? Unless it's in the Arabic language. If it's not in the Arabic language, it's not a kalam. Does everyone understand that? Is that all understood? And then this is the first line of Ajrumiyyah. Al-kalamu huwa al-lafzul murakkabul mufidu bil-wad'i. And then he said, وَأَقْسَامُهُ ثَلَاثَةٌ إِسْمٌ وَفِعْلٌ وَحَرْفٌ جَاءَ لِمَعْنًا We're now going to move on to the second line, inshaAllah ta'ala, and that's going to be our last point today, inshaAllah ta'ala. Has everyone written that? No one needs to. Everyone's written that. The last one. Al-wad'u. Al-wad'u means an yakuna mawdu'an bil wad'il arabi. That it's in accordance to the Arabic language. It has to be in accordance to the Arabic language. Okay? Now we're going to go into uh, the second line of the author. Yeah. Someone say something. There's a board in it, I've probably heard. Okay. The author then said, وَأَقْسَامُ He said, وَأَقْسَامُ ثَلَاثَةٌ صح? أقسامه ثلاثة هي اسم وفعل وحرف جاء نعم okay pay attention he said وأقسامه its types this who is a pronoun and it's types. Whose types? Speech. Goes back to speech. Okay? وَأَقْسَامُهُ It's types. The types of speech. <clears throat> Here, if there was a correction that should, be, should have been done, it's this point and I won't focus on any other correction because this correction is very important that we correct the book. This is a slightly big mistake on the author's side. The reason is why. Al-Kalam is what? We just took the Al-Kalam is what? Speech. صح? We did that because we wanted to make it easy for you to understand. The Asal is that Al-Kalam is actually sentence. What is it? 
الكلام is a sentence أنا الكلمة is a what a word okay question is 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 sentence was categorized into these three or is a word categorized into these three so it's wrong for him to say speech right right so correct is al kalima the wording in the arabic language and that's why ibn malik he said kalamuna lafzun mufidun kastaqim wasmun wa fi'lun thumma harfun al kalim wahiduhu kalimatun wal qawlu am wa kalimatun biha kalamun qad yu'am it's kalima not a kalam that's the first mistake that the author has fallen into, and I won't go into anything else after this. This was just very important that we do. Okay? Now I want to do something, inshallah ta'ala. The author mentioned three types. The first type he mentioned is ismun. So the Arabic, language, the Arabic words are ismun wa fi'lun wa harfun ja'ali ma'anan. One, two, and three. Where did they get this from? Where did the Arabs get this categorization from? Did they get it from the Quran and the Sunnah? No, they they didn't. Are we all together, brothers? This taqseem, this categorization, they got it from what they refer to as tatabu' wa istiqra. Tatabu' and istiqra means what? It's what they call in English induction. They followed up the Arabic words. And they followed it up and followed it up and followed it up. And then they said, after following the Arabic language, it's become clear to us that it's all, every Arab that's ever spoken, every word that has come out of the mouth of an Arab, it's either a ism or a fi'il or a harf. There's nothing else. Crystal clear? And no one has ever brought the fourth categorization until today. So, istiqra means what? Istiqra means induction in English. Right? Induction sometimes is deficient because humans haven't observed everything. Right? Generally speaking, induction is very hard. An example of an induction is the man who said, Every creature that Allah has created. The lower jaw moves when it chews. When it chews, its lower jaw moves. And the top is still, and the bottom part moves. So if you look at all the creatures, all the animals, you generally find that their jaw, lower jaw is what moves, and the top one is still. So, this is tatabu, and he said, this is my conclusion. Anyone prove me wrong can prove me wrong. Then one crazy animal exists, for a crocodile and the crocodiles he broke that tatabu you see my point he puts it on the floor and he just whacks the top one and he just, and that's how he chews so, I don't even know the difference between a crocodile and an alligator but we won't go into that who knows the difference between the two is one bigger than the other huh the nose huh That's it. Crocodiles land. I just thought the size was the difference. Anyways, 
He's tatabu' is called tatabu' wastiqra naqis, they call that, deficient. Are we all together? And the other one is this one here. It's called tatabu' istiqra tam. Tam meaning, till today, no one's proven it wrong, this, this categorization. And it's the same categorization that Tawheed was used for. The one who accepts this categorization now and says, oh yeah, yeah, accept that, fine. And they've accepted that as a categorization. Ismun wa fi'lun wa harfun ja'ali ma'anan. Are we all together, brothers? They can't bring an ayah from the Quran for it or a hadith. They shouldn't reject the ta- categorization of Tawheed to be these three. They have to prove it wrong and say this is wrong because of this evidence or because of that evidence. Sah? Or I found a fourth one. But there hasn't been. And anyone who's ever tried to bring a fourth categorization always ends up finding a categorization that falls under one of these three. It's already there. Are we all together? Good. By the way, just as you know, the Arabic language is the most disputed subject. There's no subject like it in terms of khilaf. Some of the grammarians, some of the scholars, they said that the ijma' of the nuhat, the grammarians are only five. They've only unanimously agreed upon five things. This from them is this. Are we all together? Aslun nahu. The foundation of grammar is khilaf. Someone says something, prove him wrong. That's the asl of nahu. People think fiqh is khilaf, right? But this is the biggest science when it comes to khilaf. My teacher used to say, if you, speak in, if you speak grammatically wrong and you know the Arabic grammar, you will always find a madhab for it. He said that to me. You spoke a clear-cut, blatant mistake in your words. If you know the Arabic grammar very well, you can find a madhab to support your goal. And there's a way for you to grammatically analyze the whole sentence in accordance to your mistake. Are we all together, brothers? He used to say that to me. Okay, now what we need to do, brothers, is... I don't think we're going to have time for it, but I'll just write it down now and I'll carry on next week, inshallah ta'ala. We have ism and we have a fi'il and we have a harf Before I go to ism and harf, uh, fi'il, I just want to mention something. He didn't just say wa harfun. Did he? He didn't say ismun wa fi'ilun wa harfun. He said ismun wa fi'ilun wa harfun ja'alimanan. Why did he say that? The huruf are two types. Okay, the huruf are what? Two types. He, there's huruf called huruf, huruf al-ma'ani. And that's what the author means here. هذا هو قصد الماتن. And there's huruf al-ma'ani. Huruf al-ma'ani and huruf al-ma'ani, what is the difference? Huruf al-ma'ani are the ones that the author is going to bring later, which is bin, ila, fi. Are we all together? An, hatta. These are huruful ma'ani. And we're going to expand on that, inshallah ta'ala. And the second one is called huruful mabani. Huruful mabani are the huruful hijaiyah, the alphabetical letters. Alif, ba, ta, ta, jim, ha, ka, dal, Each one is a harf. It's called harful mabani. Are we all together, brothers? As a side benefit, I'm just going to mention something beneficial, inshallah ta'ala, it will benefit you guys. 
the religion is all connected. If you study grammar, it comes to fiqh, it comes to aqidah, it comes to tawheed, it comes to all the sciences. When, Allah, when the Prophet said in the hadith, the Prophet said in the hadith, Okay. The Prophet ﷺ told us that every single letter we read from the Quran, we're going to get what? A reward for it. The Prophet ﷺ used the word harf. Are we all together, brothers? The Prophet ﷺ used the what? Harf. Was he referring to huruful ma'ani or huruful mabani? Because if you say huruful ma'ani, then what min by itself is going to be what? Ten reward. And if you say huruful mabani, then mim is going to be ten, and then noon is going to be ten. Here's twenty. And if you take the view that it's huruful ma'ani, which is min, then you're saying this is ten. Huh? And what this is? 10 and 10, which equals 20. So if you take the view that it's huruful ma'ani, then you're going to give the people more reward based on that view. And if you say it's huruful ma'ani, then you say 10. Why did the scholars even differ on this issue, Aslan? Why did they, this, this difference ever, ever even occur? They said because alif lamim, alif lamim, they said it's not a word, Aslan. And that's why the Prophet said 10, 10, 10. But alam is one word. Sah? Which is the same. It's alif lam mim. Alhamdulillah mim. Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah took the opinion of what? That Allah is referring to huruful ma'ani. Are we all together? Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah's opinion is that the reward is not the huruf al-mabani, it's huruf al-ma'ani. Then according to Ibn Taymiyyah's opinion, you read the Qur'an, you get rewarded for word. And that's just ten. Are we all together, brothers? And according to the Jumhur al-ulama, is that it's huruf al-mabani. Are we all together, brothers? So I remember when I was looking into this issue, I went to one of the mashayikh, one of my teachers, may Allah shower his never-ending mercy onto him, Al-Allama, Sheikh Abdul-Kareem Al-Qubayr. I went to him and said, Sheikh, I have a question. What do you say in this situation? How do we bring these two opinions together? Of Ibn Taymiyyah and the Qawl al-Jumhur. Then Ibn Taymiyyah, when he grabs onto an opinion, whether he's right or wrong, he's going to come from every angle there is to prove his points. Huh? That's who he is. So, Ibn Taymiyyah will melt your brain the way he comes into issues. And the way he brings evidences out and extracts them out. It's profound, rahimahullah ta'ala. That even when you differ with Ibn Taymiyyah, you're going to look at it and say, well, Allah, this is strong. Ala kulli hal, Abdul-Kareem al-Qudayr said to me something very powerful. He said to me, it wasn't an answer I was waiting for, but it's something that amazed me. He said, Ibn Taymiyyah's knowledge is vast, Abdul Rahman, but Allah's mercy is more vast. So we'll take his opinion. Said Ibn Taymiyyah's knowledge is what? Is vast. But the mercy of Allah is what? Is more vast. So we'll take this opinion, he said. And hope from Allah that it will reward us for every. For every. 
for every letter. And I said, Naam, it's true. You have to compare Allah's knowledge, Allah's mercy compared to Ibn Taymiyyah's knowledge. La shakka wa la raib. Then, are we all together? Wa rahmati, the Shaykh read for me, wa rahmati, wasi'at kulla shayt. My knowledge is encompassed at everything. So, inshaAllah ta'ala, it's bi'ithnillah al-kareem, with Allah tabarak wa ta'ala's mercy and kindness and generosity, we're going to say everyone who reads every letter in the Quran is going to get rewarded for it. You see? And inshaAllah ta'ala, we will uh, carry on next uh, week. Before I do, one thing I do want to say before I, I, I conclude. The author, rahimahullah, what did he do here? He mentioned ism wa fi'lun wa harf, right? In order for us to know each three of each of those three, we're going to have to learn. We're going to write ism. Number one, ta'rifu. We have to take the definition of ism. Number two, aqsamu is types. And number three, alamatuhu. We have to do these three. When we take an ism, we have to take the definition of an ism. What is an ism? Lughatan wastilahan. We're going to take aqsamu, its types. And alamatu, its signs. We'll do the same for also the fi'l. We're going to define the fi'l, its types and its signs. We'll also do the same for the harf. Its definition, its types, and its what? Its signs. We'll do that for all three. And then once we finish all three, we'll start the hardest. Inshallah, it's not hard, I take that back. It's actually simple, inshallah, which is uh, uh, the chapter of Babu Alamat al-Arab, inshallah. We're going to go into that chapter, bi'ithnillah, after we finish this bi'ithnillah next week. Um, anyone have any questions? Huh. Ibn Ajrum, the author Ajrumi, Ajrumiyah is the name of the author himself. It was named after him. He didn't give the book a name. The author never gave the book a name. Well, the scholars, they call it Muqaddimat Ibn Ajrum. And then Ajrumiyah is just an introduction. This book is an introduction to the science of grammar. It's actually not their main books. Uh. <laughs> to say that the ayah was grammatically made wrong, it's incorrect by, in its essence. The reason is because the grammar was set after the Qur'an came. Does that make sense? Which one came first? The Qur'an came first. Grammar and it's the writing of grammar came when? It came right after, way after the Qur'an. The first person to actually write the Arabic grammar, we mentioned it in the introduction, was Abu Aswad al-Du'ali. Ali ibn Abi Talib told him to write it, right? So then, this is the time of Ali. It wasn't even written the time of Bakr or Umar. Or Uthman. So grammar came way after. So it wasn't like the grammar was set and then the Arabic language, the Quran came into a set rules and regulations and it went against it. Are we all together? And bi'ithnillah al-kareem, my aim, my aim is bi'ithnillah al-kareem to strive hard to give you Quranic examples for this book, inshallah ta'ala. More Quran. Than just normal day-to-day speeches, inshallah ta'ala. Some places, 
we'll be forced to use our normal conversations because if I go get an ayah for it, the ayah is a bit technically hard to, un to, to break down at this particular stage. We're going to come to it, inshallah ta'ala. And they're more than that. Harf al-jar, adawat al-nasb, adawat al-jazb, all of them are harf al-mabani, harf al-mabani. Laft. Sawtun mushtamilatun ala ba'd harf al-hijaiyah. It means the articulation or the pronunciation of some of the alphabetical letters. So it means pronouncing it and saying it. What's the difference between laft and a what? The laft is a what? It's pronunciation. And karima is a what? It's just a word. Whether you write it or not, that's besides the point. Okay. Huh? The technical meaning of? It's al-kalimatu al-arabiyyah wa ma ya'aridu laha How's that Mufid? Good. So, the Quran is, of course, a speech, and it's the best of speech. We say that the Quran is it's this Kalamullah Azza wa Jalla. That's what we say. The Quran is speech of Allah. Okay? So, what we wrote right now is that Al Kalamu huwa lafdul murakkabul Mufid. Are we all together? How is it Mufid? Alif la mim, when we don't know what it means. The meaning is hidden from us. These are ishkaliyat. These are some of the points that was mentioned in that book, Al-Akhtaa, Al-Nahwiya Al-Mutaliqa. For example, when you go to the, the first point of the definition of what? Speech. What did they say? They say it's what? I specifically chose a type of definition, which I said what? When I said laft, uh, what did I say? Sawtun. Why did I use the word salt for laft? Yeah, because Asha'ira don't believe the speech comes out. I want to get, I'm trying to get rid of that ishkal at the beginning. So even in Aqidah, even in the beginning of grammar, you're learning that the salt is what kalam is. Sound has to come out or else it's not a speech. The word mufid, are we all together brothers, is one of the ishkal that was brought by some of the scholars. Like how could you say something is mufid? What about if you don't know what it means? And it's Mufid. For example, you read a line in the Arabic language and you didn't understand it, but it was complete. Could you say that this is not Kalam? Just because you didn't understand it. The best answer I found to that is the Alif Lamim has a meaning. And it's from those meanings that are beneficial that we don't know of. So it's Mufidun fi Thatiha. It's beneficial in and within itself, but we don't know what it means. And that's why the scholars, they specifically said, it is from the things Allah withheld its knowledge. Are we all together? It's from the things 
Allah withheld its knowledge. In that verse, Allah tells us subhanahu wa ta'ala that some verses are ambiguous and some verses are clear. The ambiguity of some of the verses are two types. Ambiguity that's ambiguous to everybody. It's called mutashabih, mutlaq. No one knows what it means. And it's from the huruf al-muqatta'ah. And there's also verses which are mutashabih, nisbi, nisbi. It's subjective. It is ambiguous to some people but not the others. Are we all together? Like the number of the Ashabul Kahfi. Allah says, Allah says uh, the ending of the verse, what did he say? Not everybody knows it. Little know it. So then this is from the knowledge. Abdullah ibn Abbas said, I'm from the little who know it. So there's some knowledge in the Quran that not everybody knows it. And I, when I was teaching the Muqaddimah fi usul al-Tafsir, at the ending I mentioned the Qawl of Ibn Abbas that the Tafsir of the Quran is four types, right? That is what? It's four types. From the Quran there are verses that no one knows what it means, only Allah Azza wa Jalla knows. From the verses of the Quran are some, verse, some words which not everybody knows except the ulama. There's some verses that only the Arabs know, and the ones who speak Arabic. Okay, and the fourth one is that which everybody knows. Everyone understands it from the Quran. It's not hidden knowledge. And Abbas divided it into that four. So what we say is that the Quran is mufidun ghayatul ifadah. But because you don't have knowledge of it, you cannot eliminate the benefit in it. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Okay. Brothers, I will try my best because I find this subject to be the most, one of the most important subjects that we're going to be taking. It's very important that you take the key of knowledge. This is the key. Grammar is the key. If you take it and you have it, trust me, all doors open for you in the religion. So I'm going to try my best to give so much examples, explain it. Before I move on, I'm going to ask you, did you understand? Help me by telling me no. I didn't understand a word you just said. And I'll, I'll, I'll go over it again. And again, and again, inshallah. Ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khayran. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.